Sodom and Gomorrah, a very wicked town that met a very wicked end by God's righteous hand. But the story doesn't end there. We still get a glimpse into the life of Lot and what happens to him. Way of Grace, next. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. Hi, welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward, online at grace-bible.com. We're back in our series, Arise, Move, and Go, looking at Genesis chapter 19, a message called No Turning Back. Looking at verses 27 through 38, we see the continuing story of Lot and what takes place after the judgment and his loss of his wife. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The angels in their covering lot drew Knucklehead back inside the house where he belonged, shut the door. Have y'all heard that one before? It happened in the days of Noah when the rebels chose not to believe Noah. And God told Noah, come on in, seven days is going to rain. And God shut the door. It happened in the parable of the ten virgins, where five kept their lamps lit by the spirit of the living God because they took God seriously. And the other five just played church. They made sure they found their Bible and brought it in the house. And when the bridegroom came back, the five church playing Christians ran out to get oil. But by the time they came back, the door was shut. Again, y'all keeping up with me? This is what we call narrative theology. This is how you understand the themes of redemptive eternal truths in the context embedded in the narrative, and it continues all the way through the Bible. That's how God works. He proclaims his word. He gives men and women an opportunity. And after what we call the day of salvation, God shuts the door and it affirms the rebellion of men and women against the gospel. God never leaves himself without a witness, right? Here becomes the other evidence that you and I are dealing with a kind of reprobation or giving humanity over after the witness is given. He blinded them. Is that what the text says? He blinded all of them. He blinded all of them so that they could not find the door. Look over at verse 10 and then 11. Verse 10, Genesis 19, 10. But the men put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house and shut the door. Verse 11. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with what? both small and great. Now that's the whole community. So one of the other indicators that men and women have wrestled with God and lost is that he blinds them so that they cannot find the door, which is Christ. So see, this is a double judgment because on the one hand, they brought that on themselves, did they not? On the other hand, God gave them what they wanted, did he not? This is what we call the passive and active judiciary judgment of God. Passive in that he warned them and they engaged in breaking the boundaries. Active is that God brought his judgment. The angels blinded them. Now that's thematic too, is it not? Doesn't that run through your Bible a lot? God blinding. God blinding. And and quite interestingly enough, you remember God blinded the Syrians in the days of Elijah when they came to take Elisha and Elisha caused them to be blinded to lead them to the king of Israel. You guys do remember that. 
And then God, again, constantly warning Israel, blinded Israel over and over again. It was Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six, verse nine. After that, Isaiah had saw the Lord's glory. God says, go and tell my people seeing they shall not see. Hearing they shall not hear. They will not perceive nor understand. And that language was fulfilled in the mouth of Jesus in Matthew 13, was it not? Were not the Jews constantly blinded to the glory of Christ? The Apostle Paul becomes one of the, uh, what we would call brands plucked out of the fire. When he came opposing God in the person of Stephen, what did God do? He blinded him, knocked him down on the Damascus road and blinded Paul to let Paul know that he was formerly of that camp that rejected the gospel. And when you reject the gospel, you are evidencing that you are blind. To whom is our gospel hid? but to them that are blind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, of whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the effulgence in the Son of God make manifest the one true living God in a transformation and illumination of the soul so that you are never, ever again without a saving knowledge of the one who loved you and died for you. Are y'all keeping up with me? I'm just laying a foundation. We haven't started yet. But it's important for you to understand the call, the communion, and the covering. The call, the communion, and the covering. And then we are told also not only that they covered Lot in this sense, they flanked him, but then also having cleared out his family. This is what you and I get, the clearing out of his family in verses 12 and 13. Notice what it says over here. And the men said unto Lot, have you here any besides sons-in-laws and daughter-in-laws and whatever you have in the house, bring them out of this place. See it? This is some serious business, isn't it? Time to go. Time to go. And then Lot wrestles with them as we have learned, have we not? In a pathetic unconvincing sort of last ditch evangelism that did not work because he had torn his witness up all his life, living like a sodomite and living in that culture to the degree that his kids could never, ever believe the gospel. See, you and I can play this kind of five minute, two minute, one minute attempt to try to get people saved. But here's what you must know, ladies and gentlemen, all of our lives, God is wrestling with us even as little children. And my wife had an opportunity this week to go see our, our seven grandkids over in Austin and our oldest daughter and son-in-law. Had a great time. And every second of that day, I was reminded of how privileged I was to be so hard on my firstborn with the gospel because the gospel replicates itself when the seed is sown. And I'm sitting on the floor with my grannies, 12 to 2, talking about Jesus. Somebody ought to be shouting. Because that's the only way it's done. The powers of this world are too great. The force is so, so vicious, so, so, the momentum is so forceful that even believers get sucked up in the swell of the carnality of this life. How much, how much more is it needed in the 21st century that we drill down into our children who God is in biblical teaching? If we're going to have any hope for them to be snatched out like Lot was, 
They have to have the incorruptible seed of Christ planted in their soul. You won't persuade them, mommy and daddy. Only God can persuade them. That's what we're dealing with Lot. So they called on him. They communed with him. They covered him. And then they cleared out the house, cleared it out. Look at verse 14. And Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-laws, which married his son, his daughters. So he had two daughters that were married. He had two daughters that were not married. Up, get you out of this place. The Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters, which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the angels laid hold upon his hand. This is what we call irresistible grace for our sneaky brethren who like to think that God doesn't have enough power to snatch you by the back of your neck and save you in spite of your rebellion. You know, if God was waiting on your permission to save him, nobody'd be saved. I'm telling you the truth. There's none that seeks after God. Now, is God's word right or your opinion? There's none that seek after God. There's none that understand. There's none that do righteousness. No, not one. And Jesus says, no one can come unto me except the father which sent me. Grab him, her by the back of their soul's neck and lift them up out of hell and persuade them that there's a better way than where they are now. And while he's dragging you out, you're saying, yes, in Jesus' name, yes, in Jesus' name, yes, in Jesus' name. Now I realize I was making a mad dash to hell against my own good. And God loved me enough to uproot me from my carnal nature and draw me to himself. You know you came kicking and fighting like the child possessed by the devil. His parents still praying for him and Jesus is going to heal him, but the devil casts him in the water and in the fire, like to kill him, but he can't kill him because he's chosen unto salvation. That's what's going on with Lot in his house right now. So the angels cleared them out, but we have a sad tragedy we got to deal with now. It's called the consumption of his wife. We got to talk about that for a minute before we deal with the last few. Don't ever, ever take the Bible as some kind of fable or fairy tale. Intrinsic in your Bible are eternal truths that will always apply to you, me, and everybody else. It is a light. It is a mirror. It will expose you time and time again. Except the Lord had mercy on me, I'd go that same way. That's what you say when you're done reading. I'm often saying, Lord, have mercy on me because it's so true. Listen to the language. Here it is. Here it is. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon his wife to bring them out of the city. Verse 17, please. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Neither stay thou in the plain. Escape to the mountain lest you be consumed. You can't get a better GPS instruction than that. We're riding all around Texas. Now, I know the eastern part. I know Galveston. I know Houston. Spent plenty of time there growing up. Austin and just about turned into San Francisco and Oakland Bay Area. It's so crazy. 
So you need the little English lady talking to you all the time. And you know that's a little problem too because she's an English lady and she likes to get you right up to the exit before she tells you to get off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of struggle going on, a lot of struggle. It becomes the grounds of arguments and debates between husbands and wives too. I think she said left. No, I know she said right. No, I think she said left. And then the little thing goes, y'all know what that means, right? Now, see, God sets up his GPS system so you won't have to do that. He gives you plenty of time to get on the right road, make the right exits, get back on. Gives you plenty of time. You don't have to miss it. A wayfaring man will not err in the way that God has him to go. His GPS system works every time. Escape for your life. That's one. Take this thing serious. Don't stop and get no hamburgers. Number two, do not look behind you. Do not look behind you. To look behind you indicates a problem with your heart and it endangers you for not actually using all your strength to go forward. You see, the gospel is a forward-oriented message. We're headed somewhere, and it's certainly not backwards. I am pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I am running the race that is set before me. Am I making some sense? And you can't run that with all your might while you're looking backwards. No good thing works with those that look backwards. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not worthy at all of the kingdom of God. You got to be convinced that what's in front of you is better than everything that's standing by you or has been in your life up to now. You have to believe that. That's called walking by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Real believers are stuck on glory and we're trying to navigate time as we make our way there, glorifying God on the way. Real believers know that our agenda is a forward-oriented agenda. We're not stuck on history. We learn from it. We derive from it all of the lessons. That's why we're in our Bible. The Holy Ghost takes history, shows you the present, and prepares you for the what? That's what he does. That's what he does. And so the text tells us in verse 18, these words. And Lot said unto them, oh, no, not so, my Lord. Now I'll get into that in a moment. Let me keep going, because we talked about that last week. Behold, now thy servant has found grace in your sight, and you have magnified your mercy, and you have showed unto me uh, in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil take me and I die. Um, child of God, if you play too close to Sodom, it will strip you of your power. It will drain you of your motivation. It will destroy your capacity of faith to operate at the highest level. Your faith will be operating at such low level, you will not even believe you're saved. You will be operating at such low level, you're spending more time arguing with God and his people than you are saying, Lord, fill me up so I can run. Lot is making excuses Because Lot is weak in faith. I mean weak in faith. Are y'all hearing me? And make the application, child of God, because it's going on every day of our life. See, you and I live near Sodom. We live in Sodom. Sodom lives near us. Sodom lives in us. And we got to be able to identify these markers of weakness in the believer. 
Here, Lot is given an opportunity in the mercy which he describes as having been increased in his life to escape. Now this brother got to run a 5K up a hill. See, he should have been working on his faith while he was at level ground for the last 10 years. Am I making some sense? So that you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You got to build your spiritual. We've talked about this for years, have we not? We've talked about growing in grace and maturing, taking root downward, bearing fruit upward. We talk about strengthening our faith. Lord, increase our faith. See, so when the trial comes and you've just been playing games and wasting time, no power. Even as a child of God. May I make, an, uh, may I make a, a sort of what I call a, a sage assertion of what would have ha- happened if Lot would have done the right thing. Can I do that? Had Locke said, yes, sir, I'm out of here. Give me grace because I'm going up that hill. I'm going to grab my wife. I'm going to grab my two daughters and I'm going up that hill. It's going to kill me if I do, but I'm going up that hill like Caleb said. Give me the hill. Isn't that what he said? Give me the hill. He's an old brother. Give me the hill. Because the hills represent ultimate safety. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Am I making sense? And what God wants Lot and his family to do is clear out of what I don't want to spend a lot of time doing, talking about the nature of the judgment that came down on a geographical and much more on a basically chemical level. You should know what happened. The fire came down in a society that had already been drenched with slime pits, asphalt. Sephiric acid. So you know what's happening when the fire comes down? Things are starting to burn. There's no place safe. So the fire comes down with all of its force. It hits the ground. It hits the sea. It hits the land. And sulfuric acid causes all of these fireballs to go up in the air and come down again. It's nothing but hell on earth. You got to get way out of that kind of show. Am I making some sense? Like, you got to get way out. Like, if the Lord says, run a mile, run two. Right? Am I making some sense? Like, get way out. Get way out. You don't even want to be warmed up by it because it's hot. And this silly, pathetic child of God wants to live right next to the judgment. And as a consequence, it indicated a breach in his own family, didn't it? Look at it. Look at it. He says, I want to escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Now, it's true that mountain people are hard. Have you ever been in the country? Have you ever been in the mountain? They, they billy goats up there, ain't no doubt about it. But if you respect them, they cool. I never had a problem with my billy goat brethren. Even though I'm black and they're white, I could tell they wouldn't want me to spend the night. So all I wanted was gas so I can keep moving. Watch this. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Have a wonderful day. I don't need your hotels, none of that. I'll sleep in my car. I'll go down to the beach. I'm making my way through. Please be assured I don't plan on stopping here at all. The Billy Ghost let you know. I love them for it. I love th- those beasts weren't going to get me. And Lot's tripping, isn't he? Because it's between the Billy Goats and the fires of hell. That's easy to decide. That's anyhow, Lot is a hypocrite, my sister, because he's sitting with a whole group of people that if I had to 
characterized them, they're worse than billy goats. He's been in the center of their center of their commerce. He's in the main seat with them. He's making adjudication. He's doing business deals with them. He knows that they are beasts. And he's talking about saving me from some other beasts. You see, everybody wants to pick their own beast they want to hang out with. I'm making sense. I know that. Everybody wants to pick their own beast. And all beasts are beasts. They're predatorial by nature. They're predatorial. So Lot says, this evil may take me and I'll die. And notice how God accommodates in verse 20. Don't ever say God's not an accommodating God. Most people will end up going to hell because they misrepresent God's mercy. It's true, right? The way in which God's mercy shows up in providence in our life circumstantially, if you don't understand that God is holy in spite of him showing you patience and mercy, you will think his patience is permission for you to live like hell. Did that make some sense, child of God? Because I hear Christians do it all the time. I hear them presume upon God's mercy. I'll watch it. I watch them pushing the envelope of violating God's word because God is silent. But you know better, children of God, at grace, I taught you this long ago. Read it for yourself, Psalm 50. I kept silent and you all together thought I was just like you. See what I'm getting at? So when God keeps silent, you don't see any evident judgment. You think it's all right to keep playing the parameters, pushing the envelope, breaking the hedges. But in reality, you're setting yourself up for an inability to fight the good fight of faith when a real trial comes. Am I making some sense, Doc? You are making it almost impossible if God is calling you to fight when you haven't been practicing the fight. See what I'm getting at? Now, when it's up on you, you're just as weak as the lost sinner. You can't pray. You can't quote scripture. You can't, you can't shake yourself. You can't encourage yourself in the Lord. You don't know how to call on a sister and a brother to go to war with you. You don't know how to arise, move and go because you're trapped by your lethargy, which you brought on yourself. Somebody's being taught today the danger of living near Sodom. And then the consequences ramp up to verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 21. And he said unto him, see, I have accepted you concerning this thing that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Verse 22. Hasty, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till you become thither. I'll talk about that in a moment. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar because it was a little town. I wish I had a map. The sun was risen up in the earth when Lot entered into Zoar because it was that night in which they were to leave. You leave at night. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. You see two Yahwehs there. I taught you Yahweh one is God the father. He's always cardinal one. He never moves. He never leaves heaven. He never manifests his face. He's always on his throne. Are you guys hearing me? The father is always situated in his immutability, his sovereignty, his rule and dominion. And his son, the Lord Jesus, is the visible Yahweh that moves about in the earth rim to do his father's will. Whether it's the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament or himself or some servant that he's working through, like we can easily, easily surmise through the grammar of the language. 
that Jesus is operating in both of these two angels out of the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. He is a messenger angel now, but he will also be a warrior angel as here. He's calling on the Father to rain down fire from heaven. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan.